Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve sallallahu ve barak alel aşrafel anbiya ve mursilin nebine Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellema teslima kathira. Ama ba'd. Elhamdülillah in our previous lesson we were discussing some of the nawakil wudu so we concluded the discussion around the mess al khufain i had a, a chapter regarding wiping over the socks and we mentioned in relation to wiping over the socks that within the permissibility of wiping over the socks is also a permissibility of wiping over what else did we say the term of the imam now and so it takes the same ruling it says that it has the same conditions Allah Ta'ala knows best. Thereafter, we went on to discuss the chapter pertaining to the nawaqid al-wudu and nullifies of the wudu. We mentioned some of the things that nullify the wudu. And the first of the things that we mentioned uh, that nullify the wudu is the kharij min al-sabilayn. Yani kharij min al-sabilayn ala kulli hal. So that which comes or that exits from the front or the back passage. Naam, whatever that may be. And that was one of them. Thereafter as well, we, what else did we mention? Remember, one of the things that nullified the world in the, in the previous lesson. Like losing your awareness. Using, losing your awareness now. So fuck the lakas. So losing your senses or your intellect or your awareness any of those is uh is uh, correct and we mentioned that there's three ways in particular where the person will would will have lost his senses if you like three ways in particular Sleep. sleeping as well Intoxication, intoxication. For this Ahmed there. Ahmed, oh. Yeah. I think it's stopped working. So, so it's going to sleep, intoxication. Insanity. And insanity. Now, you are losing your, your senses in, in the complete sense. Now, we mentioned uh, some detail in relation to the loss or the loss of your senses by way of sleep. And what was the detail in relation to that? So it's so it's deep sleep. So you know you're not you're not in the you're not used to you for example you're in a car and then you and you have a sleep and then but you can still hear Okay, so what's the significance of deep sleep? Now that's the, now so that's that's how uh, Sheikh Obeid has how he distinguished the deep sleep. But what's the significance of deep sleep itself? Now, so the deep the, the reason why. There's a distinction made for deep sleep because the deep sleep is what is regarded as that sleep that causes you to lose your awareness essentially. So, a lighter sleep is not a sleep that causes you to lose your awareness, and so it doesn't. It wouldn't be a case where you lose your uh, I, your akal has gone at that point. So, if that's the case, then we understand from that that the individual would not have broken the wudu. Now, so this is why the distinction is made between the two. And this is why there has to be a, that clear distinction made between the two. Is that when, if the person is in a deeper sleep, the nam is a case of they are, they are not aware of whatever they're doing. And so in this scenario, then you say that they're wudu, they're broken, they're wudu. Naam. As for the one that is in a, in a, in a lighter sleep, then this, isn't, this is not the case. What else was also mentioned, but uh, disputed as well from the things that break the wudu? Was mentioned but disputed. We haven't mentioned that yet. 
Now, so large amounts of bleeding, and or large amounts of that which is regarded as being nedges and it and it leaving the body. Now, other than the sibi lane, other than the front and the back passage. So, and the example given for that was now blood or vomit as well as pus. Now, and the Sheikh mentions Allah that there is not there's no clear text that indicates that uh, large amounts of the pus or the vomit causes the, the, the loss of the wudu. Likewise as well, there's nothing to indicate the loss of blood cause is the causation of the loss of the the wudu or the, the nullification of a person's wudu. Now, uh, also going back as well to the mas'ala of the, the, the sleeping. Ibn Qudam, rahimahullah, he mentions, إِلَّا نَوْمٌ يَسِيرٌ جَالِسًا أو قائمًا So he mentions a light sleep, whether you be sitting or standing. If you be sitting or standing. Why does he specify here sitting or standing? Because, naam, basically he, Rahimahullah uh, ibn Khudama, at this point here, is making, uh, indicate, or indicating towards the fact that there is a call that says, regardless of however your, your awareness when you're sleeping, if you are sleeping whilst lying down, then it is regarded as being a deep sleep. Naam. So there is a call, there is a statement, and, uh, it says that if the person is lying down in the mutajr and they're in any form of sleep, then it's regarded as being a deep sleep. So he's uh, indicating this particular point here. Why? Because he's mentioning that the significance is not with the position where the, where the person is sleeping, whether they be sitting or, or standing. Naam. Or... The significance really, or rather Afwan, he's, he's uh, almost agreeing with that position. Naam, so he's almost agreeing with that position of the one lying down is regarded as being the one that's in a deep sleep. Because he mentions sitting and standing, I, in opposition to that. So if the person's in a light sleep, then it must be that he's sitting or standing. However, the reality is, is that, the, and Allah Ta'ala knows best, the significance is with the individual being in a light sleep, i.e. the state of the sleep itself. Because the thing that breaks the wudu is the fact that the, you have the zawal al-aqil. Now, the thing that breaks the wudu is that the person's intellect has gone at that particular time. Now, and anything in terms of their awareness has gone at that particular time. So, due to that, we would say that the significance isn't with the position. However, no doubt, when it comes to this, uh, the position, then when a person is lying down, then this is an indication, but not an absolute proof that the person is in a deep sleep. But generally, if a person is lying down, they're going to be in a deeper sleep than a person that is sitting up. Allah Ta'ala's best. So going on to mention some of the other nawakid as well. Then we have... And so then you have the mention of the touch of the private parts with the hand. Touch of the private part of the hand. And there are some opinions that differ in relation to this. Uh, from the positions, or from the statements and, the, uh, and uh, the opinions in relation to this particular affair, is that it does not nullify the wudu. So if a person touches the private part, it does not nullify the wudu. And the proof which is used for this is the narration found in uh, Sunan Abi Dawood where it mentions وَحَلْ هُوَ إِلَّا بَدْعَةٌ مِنْكَ يعني It's not anything except that it's a part of you, an extension of you. I refer to the private part. And 
the, re the reality is that in relation to this narration itself, you have a jama'ah from Ahlul Ilm that actually mentioned that this narration itself is da'if. From the Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, and Imam Ahmad. So they mentioned that this narration itself is da'if. And the fact that it's mentioned in the Sunan of Abi Dawood doesn't now mean that it's a proof that it's sahih. Because Imam Abu Dawood, his manhaj anyway, his intent when collecting a hadith for his sunan was that he was intended to collect a hadith which were mustadilla biha. A hadith which were used for proof of for particular fiqh opinions and opinions when it comes to ahkam. And not that his intent was to gather narrations which were sahiha. Naam. And so here is an example of that. That his, his inclusion of this hadith within his sunan doesn't now indicate that this hadith is one which is sahih. Rather, he's in, he's, it, could be, it could be argued that he's included this hadith. Why? Because this hadith is used as a proof for a particular fiqh opinion. Naam. That opinion being that the touching of the private part does not break the wudu. So, likewise as well, some of some of I mentioned that this hadith itself even if we were to say that the hadith itself was sahih, that this hadith is mansoor. That the hadith is mansoor. is abrogated. Thereafter, we have the opinion, I, the second opinion, and this is that it does break the wudu. It does break the wudu. And this is due to the hadith of nah, due to the hadith of Busra bin Safwan. Hadith of Busra bin Safwan. And the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal Man masa dhakaruhu falyatawadda That whoever touches their private part then they must make or perform the wudu. And Imam Ahmad, Allah, includes this within his Musnad. And he mentioned that this is a hadith of Sahih. And uh, this hadith uh, comes after, uh, in, in terms of in date, in terms of tarikh, this hadith comes after the, the hadith which was mentioned previously. Naam. So the first hadith we mentioned where there's discussion about whether it's sahih or not. This hadith comes after it. So what we understand from that is that if this hadith comes after it, then the hukum could be that it is nasa uh, mansukh. And do you remember what we mentioned in relation to when we have two narrations or we have two texts, let's say, and there appears to be a direct contradiction between the two texts. So, for example, you have the first text here mentioning now that it's the, the private part is an extension of you, and so I rather that it's, it's, it's nothing to a person in terms of uh, tahara. Then we have this narration where it mentions that the person that touches it must make wudu. So there's a direct contradiction between the two narrations in meaning. Alaskadalik. Tell you. So, what is the first thing you do when you have a you have an apparent contradiction between two texts? What's the first thing you do? You attempt to do. You try to reconcile between the two. What's meant by that? When you say you try to reconcile between the two. Like in Kaifal al jump bain al Hadawa Hadawa. jump. Yani al al tariq al tariq al awal. Nurid al jump bain al masay. What do we mean by making reconcile between these texts? Essentially, essentially, it's you. You're trying to find 
a way where this could be correct and this could be correct in the, at the same time. Where this, where the, this text, and so this is why we say that the, the contradiction is an apparent contradiction. But, uh, but the reality is there isn't a contradiction, that they can both uh, coexist. And they can both coexist, and ahkam for this and ahkam for this can coexist. Now, and so you may find that there's, there's texts that apparently, apparently have contradiction, but the first port of call is to see if they can coexist. So, if they can't, if they can't, looking at, mm, close, yes and no. Why would you look at the kind of the time when it's removed? No. So the, the what essentially what you want to do after that is look at what is referred to as the Nasik Mansur. The Nasik Mansur. So look at the one that may one text that abrogates the other. Right? So you look at look at one text that may abrogate the other. It's not, it's not possible to reconcile between the two. So one may abrogate the other. But what does that need though? What do you need in order to do that though? You mentioned it. You need to know the timeline. You need to know when this text occurred, when that text occurred. Da'am. How are you going to know this? How are you going to know the timeline? How do you know one thing precedes the other? Na'am. The Tabarrawah. The Sometimes. Then you look at the, the narrator. Sometimes, yeah. But so, usually the the... The indications in the matan rather than the rawa. The place where it's narrated. For example. One could be in Mecca, one could be in Medina. But how would you know? Because of the Makan. Looking at events that happen. Nah, yeah, essentially. So. You can say the makan, but it would be more correct to say if the makan is an indication of a particular event. So, for example, they mentioned that they were in Hunain, for example. So it's an indication that, that this was this occurred during the Battle of Hunain, or this was this occurred at the time of Uhud. So they, this was at this particular time. Now, so they were mentioned the time or a particular event that occurred. So that, and, that, and that event is indicative of the time that it occurred. What, how, how else can you, can you also understand that one may abrogate the other? Jade, like, for example. What do you mean? For, what, what do you mean it's mentioned in hadith? Naam. So where you have a call which is sarih, an, abs- an absolute uh, call or statement from the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where it mentions that this was allowed, but no longer it's, no, it's no longer allowed. For example, Naam. So it mentions uh, in the absolute sense the hukum was allowed, but it's no longer allowed. Now, so this is how you're able to distinguish this uh, this this uh, However, there may be a case where you don't have dates or nothing to indicate the dates. Now, not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Prohibition wouldn't take precedence. Wallah. Naam. So now you know you don't have dates, for example. Then what do we do? Naam. Essentially, tarjih. A tarjih bayna nasin. So you seek to find which of the two texts is stronger. And there's always going to be one text which is stronger than the other. Naam. Always going to be one text which is stronger than the other. Why? Because... If we're looking at two hadith, for example, then one hadith is going to have one set of narrators, another hadith is going to have another set of narrators. And they're not going to be the exact same in terms of their strength. Naam. Um, an example. Uh, I can't remember the, the exact narration now, or the, the exact two narrations, but it's in, it's in relation to Bayur, uh, in relation to buying and selling. And... There's a set of narrators that narrate from uh, Hamad ibn Salama. Okay? All of them thikhat. All of them are trustworthy. Okay? 
Then you have another set of narrators that also narrate from Hamad of Salama. However, the two narrations contradict with each other. However, in one, in the first narration, those that narrate from Hamad, they are from his khawas. I know they are from the, those, the, those students that were the closest to him. Right? In the second narration, they were from those that were, again, his students, but not from the khawas. Naam. So then you would take, in this, in this scenario, the, even though these narrators are all strong, because these ones are from those that took directly from, or they were from those that were, were known to be from the, the closest of the students to Haman, then they would you take from this, this narration, because they, they had more uh, malazma with him in that regard. Now, so it's a case of, even though, in the face of it, the both narrations are, the, all the narrators are strong narrators. Naam. However, there's more detail when you look further into the, the narrations. Naam. The significance with that, in relation to what we're discussing here, is that with the first narration, the first narration where we see that there's a degree of a contradiction between the two, it falls down on two levels. Naam. The first level is that we say, the first narration, is that we say that this one is Mansur. We can say it's Mansur. Now it's abrogated by the second narration. As I mentioned, the second one comes afterwards. Or, even if we were to say that uh, there's some doubt in whether we could establish whether this one abrogates this one, then there's a discussion in, re in relation to the strength of the narration. And no doubt, it's the, the second narration is stronger than the first. And so the touching of the private, essentially, it comes full circle back to the, the ruling that the touching of the private part is something which breaks the wudu. Uh, now nah, breaks the wudu. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Does that, does that make sense, Ikhwah? I know it was a bit long-winded. It did show that show the Shah working out, you know. One this one for the last teachers. You know? <laughs> it's the Shah working out. But inshallah, it makes sense. Bismillah. So, Likewise, we have the mas'ala after that, which is the mas'ala referring to touching the private part with the forearm. Now, touch the private part with the forearm. And in relation to this mas'ala, then this does not break the wudu because it's not regarded as being from the yet in this regard. I had the hand. And the what is intended from the yet in the narration. Now. And the third is a third opinion as well in relation to the method of touch of the private part. Which is if it's a basis on the person's intention. So if the person intended to touch the private part, then this is something which breaks the wall though. And something which is mentioned alongside that, within that particular code as well, that statement and that opinion, is that they will say that if the person touches the private part with desire, no. And uh, this is, Allah Ta'ala's best, similar, and it's derived from the ruling where they mentioned, and we'll come to it inshallah, where they mentioned the ruling of touching the woman with desire. So they make, they, they derive this ruling from that one. That makes sense? Now. Does it include, sorry, does it include? Indirect touch? How do you mean that one? Now so this is this is what this is the discussion. So now you have three three aqual. One of them say one one call says yankud wudu, yani bil itlaq. Second one says la yankud wudu bil itlaq. Then the third says yankud wudu bil qast. Naam. So the third they said yankud wudu bil qast. So the first, as we mentioned, is that is based what they say it doesn't break the wudu. 
is based upon a narration, and then this narration has dark inside, and the Lama's best. The second is that just as they says it breaks the wudu and it's lock, and this would include yani amdan or yani yani khatan. so now the third will they say that the f- he doesn't break the wudu uh, except with with uh intent so you intend to touch the private part and now again we say that this this is based upon the the hukum or the qawl which is taken from the touching of the woman which we'll come to where they say that for example touching a woman breaks the wudu naam they say touching a woman breaks the wudu or they say it doesn't break the wudu or they say touching a woman with desire breaks the wudu naam and so those that say touching the woman with desire breaks the wudu, they say also that this, this is linked to touching of the private part of desire breaks the wudu. So they link the two, or they, they link the hukmain as one thing. Does that make sense? What? Jay. Well, we'll come to that, that, that masala in, in more detail, then we can uh, discuss it further with Nila. Now, thereafter, Now we have the the one that leaves a fold of Islam. Now the one that leaves the fold of Islam. And the one that raises the fold of Islam, then this is also from the things that break the wudu. From the things that break the wudu. And so this, what is understood from this is that the person states a kalima to kufr, yani a kalima which causes them to leave the flee to fold of Islam. They have the creed and that which they're saying as well. So you have to realize someone states yani, something about the disbelief in Allah. But they, they believe that. And no doubt, this is something which will cause a person to leave the fold of Islam. Or they have doubts upon something which causes them to leave the fold of Islam. Each and every one of these is something which nullifies the wudu of that individual. And the proof which is used is the ayah where Allah Ta'ala states And if you are to Commit shirk, يعني, falling, shirk with, falling to shirk with Allah, worship of Allah, then your actions and your deeds will be lost. And so your tahara, are you performing your wudu and you purifying yourself, from, it's an action from amongst your actions. And ridda, يعني, apostasy itself, in of itself is a hadith. In of itself, apostasy is yani, a nullifier and something which is of uh, yani, impurity. Now, and so this is uh, the example in relation to that Allah Ta'ala knows best. Thereafter, You have the mentioning as well of the akl in akru lahamul jazwur. So the 
eating of the camel meat. Eating of the camel meat and does this break the wudu. And the narration which is used as proof for this is the narration of Jabir ibn Samra and the Rajal and Sa'ala Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Tawadda' min Luhum al Ghanam. Where the man comes to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he asks, Can we perform wudu due to the Laham al Ghanam? Of course. Referring to eating the meat of the sheep or goat. Qal in If you intend to, then perform the wudu. Wa in shitta fala. And if you intend and if you will, if you wish, then do not perform the wudu. So this is in relation to the laham ghanam. If you wish, you can perform the wudu. And if you wish, you don't have to perform the wudu. نعم قال أتوضأ من لحوم الإبل and then they are, then he goes on to ask do you perform the wudu from the meat of the camel قال نعم توضأ من لحوم الإبل he stated yes perform the wudu from the meat of the camel this is a narration found in Sahih Muslim this is a narration found in Sahih Muslim And you have also hadith of Bara' ibn Azib, which also indicates the same, uh, the same affair. And here, within this, uh, this particular narration, is an indication, is an indication of the import or the, the fact that eating the camel meat breaks the wudu. For indeed the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam commanded to perform the wudu. Naam commanded to perform the wudu if a person was to eat the camel meat. Naam. And I believe we discussed this previously, maybe when we were going through Shurut Salah. And we discussed the difference between the ghanam and the ibl. The difference between the ghanam and the ibl. And why some of Ahlul Ibn they, they explain. They explain the difference between the two and why you would make wudu from one and not from the other. Naam. Then I remember what we was what we discussed in relation to the two and the difference between the two. Why you make wudu if you if you were to eat goat or or sheep? Why would, why you wouldn't you don't have to make wudu in that regard? But if you were to eat the camel, then why you make wudu now? It's about the places they dwell in. Naam. The shatin. So on the, the, the dwellings of the camels, now. I don't know if camels have any or anything in them. <laughs> and about, some people say that they, yeah, they were created from the fire. But the reality is that the, that which is apparent is that they're surrounded by the shayateen or the jinn. They're plenty. How do you know? What's the proof that we know this as well? Now. Now. No. No. في علاقة. نعم. سنذكره إن شاء الله. أيوة هكذا. سنذكر أيضا. سنذكر هذا أيضا. نعم. لكن صح صح. نعم. So where we where we so we said the the pen of the camel. How what's the indication that we can't that that the pen of the camel is surrounded by the jinn? نعم. No, I need to give it away. That the 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 salah in the pen of the camel is not permissible. However, the other animals, no, you can. The 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 pen of the goats, the sheep, is permissible to pray within that pen. So this is indication first, also that the anything that comes from so the 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 excrement of the of the of the camel or the it's not the camel, sorry, the the excrement of these animals that you eat is tahir. Because you're allowed to pray in that in that surrounding. Naam. So, going on to what the brother mentioned as well, Jazallah khair, is that also when it comes to the the surroundings of the camels, then this is indicative 
of or this can be it's, it's mentioned as well that this is a reason for why the camels act the way they act and that they take on a particular have particular tasarrufat behavior patterns because of their surroundings naam because of their surroundings and so they're known to be in the harsh animals and uh, there's a link made between the two likewise as well what some of the Ahlul mentioned as well is essentially according to and is linked to what we say I guess or saying that we have in English is you are what you eat naam and we understand that or is mentioned rather that some of the if a person eats a particular meat he can take on some of the characteristics of that meat that he eats naam so he eats a particular meat so if he take eats from the meat of the camel and this the camel is known to have harsh characteristics for example naam and to be quite abrasive then this could be something that the person takes on from just from eating that meat so due to that it is uh, encouraged or is rather is commanded that the person performs the wudu in that regard now does that make sense jayid um thereafter as well we have the masala that the person tayakkana tahara wa shakka fi alhadath aw tayakkana alhadath wa shakka fi tahara fa ala ma tayakkan minha minhum minhuma aw tayakkan minhuma and so we have the example now the one that has certainty naam the one that has certainty that they perform tahara so they're certain that they have not um they have purified themselves then they have doubt as to whether they have broken their wudu or not naam in this scenario the person goes back and they rely upon that which they have certainty of right and the certainty in this in this scenario is what tahara now so for example the person they remember in the morning they they made up they they woke up rather and they made wudu and it's in the morning they made wudu in the morning and they know they 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 vividly remember making wudu they come to salat al-dhuhr and they can't remember whether they have broken their wudu at any point in that morning up to salat al-dhuhr naam in this scenario the person he relies upon that which is certain of what he's certain of is him making the wudu naam the the opposite is also true that if the person is certain of the hadith the impurity so he's certain that he's broken the wudu but he's not aware of or he's he can he has doubt as to whether he purified himself then he acts upon the certainty that this can happen as well so the person in the same similar scenario the person vividly remembers using the toilet now i believe vividly remembers using the toilet however he cannot remember did he go did he go afterwards to make wudu so the last thing he remembers is using the toilet he doesn't remember clearly whether he made wudu or not after that then he acts upon that which is certain and that certainty is the fact that he broke the wudu Now the first is that he broke the wudu. So then, in this scenario, he has to make wudu. Now, does it make sense, Kwa? Jade, the final thing I want to mention uh, today, inshallah Taala, is in relation to, um, as we mentioned, the as some some they mentioned, the uh, touching of the women, the touching of the woman. And that this breaks the wudu. Now, touching the woman, it breaks the wudu. In this particular issue, masala, there are three. Uh, there are three particular opinions. There are three opinions. The first of the three is what we've done it before, so I'm going. I feel like I'm going to ask, and then you have to answer. There's three opinions. We've done it before, and I mentioned it earlier today as well. 
So before that, let's 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 go in, in, in some sort of order, shall I? Before that, touching does what? It breaks the wall, absolutely. Naam. So they say touching breaks the wall, absolutely. Naam. So touching a woman breaks the wall, absolutely. That's the first opinion. What's the proof for that that they use? Give you a clue, Sa'aya. Awla mastamun nisa. Awla mastamun nisa. Awla mastamun nisa. Alright, so you touch, or you touch the women. This is the command. So this is the proof. Now I'm clear? Toye. Kola Thani. It definitely doesn't. It definitely does not. Why? And what's the proof, sorry? Now, well, generally it mentions his, his, uh, his wife's. So the narration mentions that the Prophet ﷺ, before leaving the home, he would kiss his wives. I leave the home to go to the salah. He would kiss his wife and then uh, thereafter perform the salah. Taib. Also, what's, that, what's, what's uh, another proof that they have for that? Which is a rebuttal of the first. Of the first proof. Does the, does the question make sense? Yeah. How do they answer the first, the, the first, the call of the first call? Now. That's a more rare as let that. Sir, like a little more than the more than called Walla. Traditional, almost as I'm praying the night prayer, night prayer, and front of him. Now, you can use that as a proof. But how do they answer the eye? This was for the first, for the first. Did they say it's referring to intercourse? No. Naam. So they the the the, the they, was, they mentioned that la mas or la as mentioned in the ayah, the morad is not just majority of the limbs, just touching the woman. Rather, the intent is al jamaa. The intent is sexual relations, and this is what is intended by by la mas So, and then the third, the third call. With desire. Now I'm saying, and they say with desire, based upon what? That <laughs> call, give it, give it. <laughs> the ayah again. The answer, I'm going to, the answer I'm going to give you probably annoying. It's yes or no. Is it the ayah with the understanding that we just talked about? Mm, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> what did we mention about... Um, so the hadith if, from before, touching the private parts? No. What did we mention about if there's a, there's a, there's a, there seems to be a contradiction between texts? What's the first thing you do? Al awwal shay. Al jam. How najma' bain. Jam bain huma. So then they say that jam between the two. So you have the ayah, Lam mentions, which is mentions this, the, 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 the touch of the women. And then you have the hadith, the Messenger of Allah, where he kissed the wives before going to salah. So then they say that this was to make jam between the two is to state that it is touching with desire. Naam, touching with desire. And this is, this is where they, they try to make jump between the two. However, uh, Allah knows best, the stronger opinion is the second, number two. The second. Naam, why? Why would you say it's number two? 
according to the action of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and more importantly Why? Yes, why? Because the understanding of the ayah. Most importantly, the understanding of the ayah. Now, most importantly, because the understanding of the ayah. That the correct understanding of the ayah is referring to a jima'ah. Now, so, because the, this is the understanding of the ayah, then there is no contradiction. There is no contradiction. So there is no need to try and, to try and harmonize between the two. Now, there's no contradiction. This is referring to yani, sexual relations. And this one is referring to yani, any, any form of touching. And it, this is, this is uh, permissible. Allah Ta'ala knows best. And does not break the wudu. No. نصوص لا ينقض الوضوء هذا الفعل لا ينقض الوضوء من الحديث أفهم نعم فلما هذا نفهم من هذا يعني أنه الذي يفعله مصافحة يعني بها يعني هذا الفعل يكون فعل يعني محرم يكون فعل محرم لكن لا نقول يعني أنه من نواقض الوضوء نواقض الوضوء شيء ولا في المحرم شيء قد قد يفعل قد يرتكب في المحرمات كثيرة نعم الرجل أو المر قد يرتكب في المحرمات كثيرة ولكن لا ينقض الوضوء مثلا نعم فالنواقض الوضوء لا بد من من النص تدل يعني بالضبط يعني هذا يعني ينقض الوضوء هذا يعني يلتزم منه من هذا الفعل الوضوء نعم فلذلك ما نستطيع أن نجمع بين بين النص والحكم الاحتياج الوضوء. فن البرب was asking about whether touching the the أجنبية to touch the 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 woman that you're not related to whether this breaks the wudu. نعم. I said that individual in this scenario then he is sinful. نعم. He's sinful in this regard. And it's mentioned that the, the individual in this regard is sinful. However, it is not mentioned about along with the things that break the wudu. It doesn't mention that this is the uh, consequence of touching or shaking the hand of the woman that is not uh, related to you. However, the person is sinful. So what uh, was, was discussed is that a person may fall into sinful acts, but it doesn't now mean that because he's fallen into a sinful act that he's broken the wudu. Naam. The only thing we could say maybe from the sinful act that a person falls into that breaks the wudu is what? The greatest sinful act? Shirk, yani, ridda, yeah. So the person leaves the fold of Islam. Then this is something which breaks the wudu as mentioned due to the ayah. If you call the one for ridda, no. uh, the, for the, we have two hadiths as well. One of them, if he go to sahih, الحديث يعني هذا هذا الحديث المتعلق في الحكم ماذا في الحكم عجر للصلاة لا يقف الصلاة يعني من من هيث العجر لا لا طهارة شيء نعم والله عارف yeah so if you're talking about, we're talking about the one that goes to the soothsayer for example or the one that drinks the, the alcohol and then that their salah is not accepted for forty days and uh, from what's apparent in this, this uh, narration referring to the 40 days is not referring to anything that uh, in, res- in regards to the nullifying of the purification or the state of purification. However, what we do understand is that this, this, um, this, this affair of it not being accepted is in relation to the ajr, the, the reward. The person cannot be rewarded for that salah. For the forty days, he's still commanded to pray the salah for those forty days. He's still and he's still blameworthy praise the salah for the forty days, and that's the akuba for such an individual. 
Now, unless a punishment for such an individual. That the person that doesn't pray the salah, he's still blameworthy for it. And is punishable for not praying the salah. But if he does pray the salah, which is upon him to pray, he's not rewarded for it for those for that period of time. We have the billah. Allah protect us. Jazakum al-Khair wa barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Barakallahu Now, if somebody was to wipe over the off and is still in a state of wudu, but then they change their socks, does that break the wiping of the socks? So, uh, you said he was, he, he's, he's in the state of wudu and he wipes the socks. Change the socks, but they change the socks. No. No. I tell you're new round here. <laughs> I we, we discussed this last week. Now, now. Why? What, what did we? What did we discuss? He still has wudu. He still has wudu. Why? But I think it's the opinion that when listen to the wudu, he say only one prayer after that he can allow. No, there's a opinion. It's that he breaks the wudu altogether. Yeah, yeah, but only one prayer after that. No. But if it was Lahir, a call in that, is that he's still in the state of Tahara. Why though? Because he's not original. He hasn't notified the Wudu. He's not a notified of the Wudu. No, I mean the Mas'ah, not the Wudu, not the Tahara, but the Mas'ah. No. No, no, because the, the Mas'ah is for that period of time. The period is stated. And it's not it's not Muta'alik with the, the clothing. Naam, the, 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 the Mas'ah is, is just for the, for the period of time. That's that, that's what's mentioned that period, the period of time. So as long as he fulfills the conditions, naam, then he can still wipe over for that period of time. Remember what the, anyone remember the conditions were for the wiping? Put them while it's in the state for tahara. Yeah, yeah, so you have to. You can only do it for four for, for, for a set period of time. If you're muqim, one day, one night, traveler, three days, three nights, naam. Minor only for the minor impurities and, it has to be above the, ankle. and the, the, the sock has to be above the ankle Naam. so in, in this scenario if, he, if uh, that's all fulfilled it doesn't matter how many times you change your socks some mention but for what's for apparent it has to be first of all, it has to be considered to be a sock and it has to cover the ankle why because is covering that which you're you're wiping in place of washing, and the washing is up to the ankle. Now, Zakum Nafis, Barakallahu Fikum, Sallallahu Wabarak, Al Nabi Muhammad, Wa Alaihi Wasallam, Barakallahu Fikum.